0: Welcome to Inspire On The Go. This season we are focusing on growing together. It's exciting to know that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus and friendships with one another. Daily as we abide in Jesus and invite his word to abide in us, spiritual growth takes place in and through our lives. So what does growing together look like for you in your life and ministry setting? Grab a cup of coffee and join the conversation. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start. I am so excited to connect with you today and to bring you powerful teaching on the topic of growing through adversity. Today, you're gonna hear from Emily Freeman. You're gonna hear her story, but you're also gonna hear God's word really speaking into the subject of adversity, trusting God, surrendering to God, and walking in um, just faith uh, to the plans and purposes that God has for us. I hope that you were able to catch our last episode with Emily and Caleb Freeman. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. Uh, That story, their story of just struggle and surrender and trusting God, it really sets us up for what we're going to hear today. So enjoy this episode with Emily Freeman as we talk about growing through adversity.
1: I grew up in Seminole, Oklahoma. It's a small town. My grandfather was the pastor of that church, and his favorite verse was Nahum 1-7, many of you know it. It's uh, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. And I will say that is the very first verse that I memorized as a child. And um, I said it over and over again. We quoted it as a congreg- congregation many times, um, but I had no idea how significant those words would be in my life. Um, it has proven true over and over again. The Lord is good. Um, He is my stronghold, and there are many days of trouble and adversity um, in this life, Um, but he does know those who trust in him, and he is with those who trust in him. Um, Some of the hard days, some of the moments of adversity in my life you have already heard about. um, I have two brothers who were born without an immune system, and I have two sons um, that were also born with that. It's like the the boy in the plastic bubble, if you've ever heard of that movie. Um, and so um, those those were really hard things. One of my sons um, is a ministry major at Oklahoma Baptist University. The other one is in heaven, um, the two that were born with severe combined immune deficiency. Um, I'll talk more about Trey um, in a little bit, but about two weeks, um, before Trey went to be with the Lord, my mother did, um, and about a month before that, my nephew Toby went to be with the Lord, who was 85 days old. And um, then in 2017, when Caleb had his car accident, um, a month before that was when my youngest brother suddenly went to be with the Lord and he left behind, um, three little boys mm-hmm. um, and his wife. And so we have had a lot of hard things and there are a lot of different, um, Things I could talk about when it comes to adversity and just facing those circumstances. Um, but today I'm going to focus just a little bit on my testimony with my two boys, with Trey and Caleb, and, and then I'm going to share with you some of the things I feel like God has really um, taught me or produced in my life because of the adversity. Um, God can be trusted in life and in death and in everything in between. Jeremy said that this morning and it's true the reason it's true for a christian is because to live is christ and to die is gain Um, and just like paul says in philippians 1 verse 20 it is my eager expectation and hope that i will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now as always christ will be honored in my body whether in life or in death And shouldn't that be our eager expectation, all of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, um, that today I'm alive, I'm here on this earth, so may Christ be honored in my body, um, whatever happens um, in my life. And so um, I'm going to share a little bit about um, how God was honored in Trey's uh, short life and his death um, and how uh, God has been honored in Caleb and is being honored in him and um, Super Trey and you heard a little bit about him this morning too, but his nickname is very fitting. Um, the nurses gave him that nickname because um, he really was an amazing seven year old boy and um, he spent over 300 days in the hospital and I don't know that we ever heard him complain about it. Um, it was hard and um, those were some of the hardest days uh, of my life and really, I you know, can't even I don't even know exactly how we did that except that we did that one day at a time um, and God gave us like I said enough for each day. My daughter um, Brittany was the bone marrow donor for Trey when he was born and so he had a, a bone marrow transplant when he was about a month old um, and it went great and he came home and he lived six uh, years um, healthy um, and just, you know, living life like normal. Um, And then the very strange and very rare thing happened that her cells started to attack his body and just kind of proliferate in him. And so that happened six years post transplant, which is very unusual. Um, So we did everything we could. Um, We did a second transplant. Again, my daughter donated cells again and we did that and we brought him home and we're waiting to see how that went. And then sure enough, those cells came back. And so um, we uh, spent all of those days, fighting as hard as we can. And I Jeremy shared and for those of you who might not have been here this morning, but two of the most significant days in the hospital or um, January 8th of 2013 when um, I woke up in kind of the, you know, late night hours and um, Trey was awake in his bed and just kind of thinking and and he asked me that question. He said, mom, am I going to die? Um, and, and he was a seven year old, but he was a very thoughtful seven year old and he was very smart and he was really just laying over there contemplating his life and, and possibly his death. and by the way, that is something that we all should do, right? Um, and it's something that we should help others to do as well. And um, because the answer to that question is really yes, it's yes for all of us and And um, we're not sure what day, we're not sure how many days we have left on this earth, but we are all dying. You know, we're all um, closer to that day. And so um, he was thinking about that and we talked about it. And um, after crying some tears together, um, he decided to make Jesus his savior and also his boss, uh, just like Jeremy shared. Um, January 8th, 2013 is engraved on his, little, you know, tombstone. It says boss day on mm-hmm. there. And so um, that was, you know, the most important day. Um, I actually wear a necklace with that birthstone for January um, 8th around my neck as a reminder of Trey's, um spiritual birthday. So um, anyway, then about eight months later was the second time that Trey asked that question. And uh, we were again gathered around his bed and knew that this might be our last few moments with him on this earth and he asked the question again and, and that's um, as you heard Jer- uh, Jeremy say that the Lord just so gave me the words to say because I did not know what to say either, but the Holy Spirit was so good um, to be able to look into Trey's eyes and say um, no, you're not about to really die. You really are about to truly live. Um, And then moments later he did he got to meet Jesus face to face. He got to be with his boss Um, and second Corinthians four verse 14 says knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence um, is a promise that we have. And because of that promise, we can say that Trey's very best day was September 1st. Um, Even though it was the very hardest day of my life, um, he got to leave his broken body behind and exchange the temporary for the eternal um, and his faith became sight. And so for a trade to die is gain because he knew Jesus and he gained everything that day. Second Corinthians 416 through 18. If you go a few couple verses down says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day and Trey's outer self definitely had wasted away and he needed a brand new body. Um, those cancer cells had done just terrible things to his body and and it was painful. It was painful to watch and it was painful for him, but. I'm reminded too that that we are all wasting away as well, um, just not as rapidly as Trey. Um, but we are. This is temporary. Our physical bodies are temporary. Any healing that we receive on this earth is still a temporary healing. It's a temporary fix. Um, And Trey's inner self was being renewed day by day. We watched him as he would read his Bible, as he would share his faith, even as a seven year old, as he would ask the doctors and nurses if they had a spiritual birthday (laughs) and if they knew who Jesus was. And he opened so many doors for us to have those um, gospel conversations there. Um, that verse goes on to say, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, here I am as a mom, um, and I've had to continue on. Trey would be almost 17 years old if he were still here, um, and I can't be with him yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to it every day and while I wait, I'm focused on the eternal. I'm focused on my purpose here on Earth and how God can continue to use Trey's life and his story to advance the gospel and to use me as a mouthpiece for that um, purpose. So doing the next right thing and doing it one day at a time. <laughs> that's how that's how I live Um so. In that we've continued on the next right thing and that's what um, was I was continuing to do when we got that phone call <laughs> um, with Caleb and um, so that's just a whole nother type of nightmare, <laughs> really a living nightmare and um, just the panic and um, just being overwhelmed and just really feeling like I don't this can't be real. I must be dreaming, right? I'm, I'm going to wake up any moment, but, Um, I remember my heart being so full of panic on December um, the 19th, and uh, the things that were making me panic were things that would make anyone panic, Um, finding out they had been in an accident, realizing it wasn't just a fender bender, but it was a 75,000-pound semi-truck going full speed, Um, not sure how anyone could even survive that, that they called the fatality team in, that they were talking about preserving Caleb's organs uh, that he was posturing, which is a really horrible thing. If you have a brain injury um, and then when the lady said to us, sir, at this point, we need a miracle and just realizing how serious the situation was and that we had another son that might be stepping into eternity and In second Corinthians one verse eight. Says we were so burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We felt we had received the sentence of death. That explains me <laughs> um, in those moments. That is how I felt um, I really did just want to die. Um, but that verse doesn't end there. Okay, that's not where it stops. Um, it goes on to say that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead, but God, right? Those two words, they change everything about everything. And so those words have be you know, they they have so much meaning so many places in the Bible, but for us, I think they've become the two most important words in our lives and I can't really explain with human words, the shift in focus or perspective that took place in my heart. Um, and in my mind, just from that panic to the peace, um, as God reminded me personally, uh, that he was there, <laughs> um, that he met me right there where I was in that place of, I, I just want to die. And really I'm, I'm bad too. You know, like there's a whole lot of emotions there and God of course can handle it all. Um, but he met me right there. And he provided people and he provided promises and he provided himself and um, I could go into a lot of detail and right now that I don't really have time, but um, if you do get a chance to read our book, but God, it has so many things in it, Um, but just to give you a couple, um, there was a lady, a stranger um, in the ER. Um, and Jeremy and I were there waiting for Caleb to arrive and just standing there pretty distraught and she just um, I don't know why she was there. She had children with her um, obviously being in the ER, she was dealing with some kind of her own um, issues, but she came over and just put her hands on us and just began to pray. And that was the first moment of God just saying here I am. I'm with you. And the words that she prayed were just perfect. And I just this huge sigh of just relief because I just felt um, I just felt him. (laughs) So um, she prayed over us. Then the next person we encountered was Jolinda and she came directly from the accident scene um, where she had uh, felt God lead her to pull over and then she had started to attend to Caleb. Whereas I think most everyone else on the scene thought he was pretty much done for, and she started trying to open up an airway for him and and listen for signs of life in him, and so she came directly to us, and she, she grabbed our hands, and if you can just even imagine this, like picture yourself in this circumstance, she looked into our eyes, she's covered in our son's blood, and she says to us, are you Caleb's parents, because I was with your son, and I prayed over him from his head to his toes and God has told me that your son is going to be okay, that he's going to be well. Um and we're just like, (laughs) you know, and so you want to hear that so much. You're desperate to hear that, but at the same time, you know the reality of the situation. So but but then again, you can sense also that this is the Lord that the Lord is sending this person to tell you these words to help you. Um, to trust him and to know that that um, he's in he's in control, and so um, we talked to Jalinda, and God continued to send other people like that, and it was amazing. He also raised up an army of prayer warriors, um, really in Oklahoma, but then across the whole nation, um, that began praying for our son um, in a really supernatural way because um, they were praying for him fervently and from so many I heard I I, put it on my heart to pray for him like he was my own son Um, and it just over and over again. God just gave us these these things these um, not only these promises, but these comforting words, these messages from others um, just to say I'm doing something and around that time about 24 hours after we've been, you know, in the yard, I. It was put on my heart by him to start writing things down. So I started a journal because I really believed that God was doing something greater um, than what we could see and what we could hear. Um, And so just starting to write it down because God was going to use it in ways that we didn't understand yet. Um, So um, surrender, it was a big, big moment of just surrender, just Lord, I trust you. I don't know what this is going to look like. Um, It feels impossible, uh, but I'm just going to trust you one breath at a time. Um, And as Caleb continued to do more than they thought he would do, we just continue to trust um, one day, one uh, facility, one next place, um, one next decision at a time. And so. For two months, a little over two months, um, Caleb stayed in that place of just unconsciousness, um, and we just continued to pray over him, to sing over him, to to speak truth and life over him, Um, and uh, we did that continually, fully expecting that at some point God was going to wake him up. I think all the uh, doctors and therapists and people just thought we were a crazy family <laughs> like in denial crazy family because you walk through the halls and most rooms are pretty you know um, just you know obviously that it's kind of just a time of solemn and and in our room we have this worship music blaring and we have scripture all over the walls and we're you know <laughs> just so many like we just had this hope you know we had this hope that couldn't be explained and that people thought was was pretty crazy. Um, but then we got the nod, right, Caleb? Oh, yeah. We got the nod, <laughs> and so the famous nod. The famous <laughs> nod, yes. And you saw it on the video very briefly. But the therapist one day just has asked him over and over again, day after day, the same question, like you know, trying to get some kind of response. And all of a sudden, it it was like God said, "Here you go. It's time." Right? Now's the time. Now's the time, and um, and so. That was just a moment of celebration and I don't, oh, We were so excited, but I wasn't surprised. I really wasn't surprised. I knew I knew that God was going to do it. Um, after that, things were very slow fast, I will say, because in the brain injury world, waking up from that is very uh, slow process, but actually happened really quickly for Caleb too. Um, and his speech came very slow. He used to have to point to like a spelling chart, and try to spell things for us. And um, one of the first words he spelled was um, cheesecake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we knew he was hungry. <laughs> so, um, but he ate a lot of cheesecake and I'm not fat. (laughs) (laughs) So he stopped eating too much cheesecake at some point, Um, but he did have to relearn every single thing. So even swallowing, walking, speaking, I mean, all of it. And it was very slow. It was like having a, you know, 17 year old toddler again, that was relearning everything. Um, and but it's true. His spirit was so amazing. They prepared us for all the worst things like as he emerges from this, he'll probably be angry and violent and he'll say things and do things and like, you know, all of that. But there was none none of that at all. Um Caleb woke up very sweet um, and very funny and like wonder wonderful to be around. I feel like everybody wanted to just hang out in his room with him because he was just such a joy to be with. Um, And he was very focused on God's plan and purpose for him. He was focused on that early on. He was very worried about his brother who had been in the car with him um, wanting to make sure that he was okay. Then he was worried about the semi truck driver. So he wanted to make sure that he knew Jesus and you know, that we had talked to him. So he can't. He just was very much focused on others Um, and Caleb cannot do what he used to be able to do. He was um, this really strong, stellar athlete, um, and a leader in all those areas at school, and he cannot do those things anymore. And that has been a hard thing. That's a loss that he has suffered, but he has chosen not to focus on what he has lost. And um, he's focusing on uh, instead on what he has gained. And I think it's just so true that everything with God, every what if every, um, oh, you know, if only right, every what if. It becomes even if okay so God turns every what if into even if because even if I never do this again even if my dreams don't come true even if this situation does not turn out how I hope it will I know I can trust him I know he's got me I know he'll, he'll use me and so he's on mission and he's focused and he really does say what has happened to me like Paul said in Philippians has served to advance the gospel And so I hope you get a chance to talk to Caleb today before you leave. But I just want to share really quickly. I still have some time, right? Just a little bit. Um, Just what I have learned through adversity, three quick things. Um, And so um, I feel like we all, especially in America and in this culture, we see the suffering and the hard things as something foreign and something like we just don't feel like we should have to suffer. Um, we feel like everything should be fixed right away. And, and you know, um, we're used to being comfortable. Um, but I think that actually adversity is something we should be thankful for and something that we can find joy in um, life is hard. It's hard for everyone, um, but for followers of Christ, we should not be surprised by adversity and we should suffer well. It's important that we suffer well. It's important that people see a difference in us when we suffer because our hope is not in this world. First um, Peter four twelve through 13 says do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice when his glory is revealed. And we rejoice not because we're going through something hard, but we rejoice because of what that produces in our lives. Romans 5 uh, 3 through 4. But we also rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And so. Adversity, hard things, they produce good things in our lives. They bring us closer to the Lord. They help us, um, to represent him well while we're here. Um, one of the things that adversity has produced or does produce in our lives is a life of desperation for and dependence upon God. And I would say specifically, um, through the power of prayer and the necessity of prayer. Um, as I shared before the verse, um, in second Corinthians that we were burdened beyond our strength. That's, that's how we, you know, when, when hard things happen, that's a lot of times how we feel we're burdened beyond what we can handle. and um, it causes us to be desperate. It causes us to realize we're not in control of everything. Um, and there, there's one who is, and we need to look to him um it's to make us look to him it's to make us not rely upon ourselves but to depend upon him um i mentioned that i kept a journal and um one of the things that i talk about is prayer because prayer became such um i i mean i've always believed in the power of prayer but it took on a whole um another level for me as we walk through this with caleb um Verse 11 of that passage goes on to talk about the importance of prayer. It says, you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And I believe that's what's happened today. I think many of people are giving thanks to God on behalf of, of us, on behalf of Caleb, because of what God has done through the prayers of so many people and how we're getting to see those prayers now take fruition in Caleb's ministry and how God is using him, um, to advance the kingdom. And this is what I wrote in my journal shortly after the accident. I wrote, we believe in the power of prayer, but we are experiencing the power of prayer in a mighty way. The knowledge that thousands of people are praying around the clock and all over the world is both humbling and oh, so encouraging. We are in a constant state of prayer, a constant state of dependence knowing we have no power on our own, but that God holds the power of life and death. He is our only hope, and we cry out day and night without ceasing. And then prank fervently leads to praying even more fervently and praying for the physical healing, which is temporary leads to praying for spiritual healing and awakening that is eternal for doctors, for nurses, for patients, for, for the visitors, the Facebook followers, and every single soul that God puts in our path. We're praying for God to use Caleb in whatever way brings him the most glory. And so prayer and more praying. It doesn't change God or his plan, but it definitely changes us and our focus shifts and my focus shifted from being I mean, yes, my prayers were were somewhat selfish because I just wanted my life to return to normal and I just wanted to have my son back and I wanted things restored But my heart began to be aligned with with his heart with God's heart and what he sees and he sees things so differently than we do and and he cares about people and he cares about souls and he loves us and he loves others Um, and we can only see just this little bitty picture. Um, but those selfish prayers and that self work focus expanded and those prayers became kingdom prayers and it was more about how God might heal someone, um, eternally, um, and change somebody's heart um, than just having a temporary fix to our, our problems. Um, so it causes us to be more dependent and more desperate for the Lord. The second thing is it produces a life of surrender. Um, And it's like Jesus. It's like Jesus to live a life of surrender. Because suffering and adversity is the means by which God brought salvation to the world. Jesus came for the purpose of suffering. Hebrews 12 verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And that's what it is. It's a joyful sacrifice. He gave up. And we give up something that we love for something that we love even more. That's what joyful sacrifice is. And as followers of Christ, we are called to surrender and we are called to that joyful sacrifice every single day. I mean, that's what we signed up for when we made Jesus our Lord and savior and as Paul did and as the disciples of Jesus did. We can say what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Let what happens to me today serve to advance the gospel because I surrender all I sing it. I sing it in church, (laughs) but do I mean it with my heart? Do I mean it if it means that I really do have to surrender something that I that I really love if it means I have to surrender my children If it means I have to surrender the most important possession I have on this earth. Do I still surrender all because we can sing it and we can pray it, but it's it's different when it's actually it's actually happening to you. And so I want to live in such a way where I am surrendered all the time Um, and it is a daily thing and you can only do it by the strength of the Lord Him in you. It's not something we do independent of him. That's for sure. Um, The third thing is adversity produces eternal perspective and it reminds you of the brevity of life and the urgency of the gospel and James 414 says yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little while then vanishes. Psalm uh, 90 verse 12 reminds us to number our days. Mm -hmm. Teach us Lord to number our days. We are not meant to be comfortable on this earth, but we are. We're very comfortable. We're too comfortable. Um, And we are distracted by a lot of things. I think it was Ed Newton last night who preached about the treadmill of ministry. And that resonated with me because you can go and go and go without really accomplishing anything eternal. And it's not that you're doing bad things. You're doing a lot of good things. But are you keeping your focus on the main thing? are you listening for the one voice that matters? Because there's a lot of other voices and they can be really loud. (laughs) Um, But his is the one that matters and a lot of times it's the most still small voice and you have to be still to listen to it. So, um, so being too comfortable, being distracted, we have got to make sure that we're aware every moment that we're not guaranteed tomorrow or the next five minutes. Honestly, that phone call can come. We get in our vehicles. We don't know what could happen. Um, but we have to let what matters to us right now matter to us. What's going to matter to us most five minutes after we die. Um, Jeremy said that several times in sermons, but letting what matter, what will matter to you most five minutes after you die matter most to you right now. And just walking in the power of the spirit, um, living on mission and remembering that our mission field is wherever we are standing and whoever is standing near us is automatically on that mission field. Um, So those are some of the things um, that God has really shown me and taught me through adversity and how he's used it
0: um, in my life.